0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz.
1: And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, property, and all that matters. Every day is a good day to fight for liberty, and every day God gives us that opportunity. You know, today on this Friday, it's Groundhog's Day. And too often, my colleagues, conservative industry losers, and they've acculturated Republican voters to be this way. It's like you have a Groundhog Day, not in February, but the first Tuesday in every November, the general election every other year. They come out, oh, vote Republican, and then go back to sleep, as if that's all that matters. And in fact, what this show is about is that really pretty much every day, we can make a difference. Every single day, we have an opportunity to weigh in and to focus on the issues that matter, and particularly this time of year, we got simultaneously, I mean, really, these days and weeks, and that's why it's so critical, we have red state legislative sessions and red state primaries kicking off the first ones March 5th. Now, it's largely too re- too late for recruitment in a lot of states, but some of the later ones we could still recruit, and some of the earlier ones we do have candidates, so we will have yet another candidate. Again, I'm the only one doing this. We will have a challenger to one of the worst sitting United States senators from a deep red state coming up. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think about you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and hope. Even amidst the dark, God gives us a lot of opportunities. Obviously, you look at our country, the culture, the body politic, the anarcho-tyranny, the border, inflation, invasion, indoctrination, a government that's literally siding with the Mexican cartels, literally siding with Hamas. And it's never been this bad. But on the other hand, Because the left is so radical, even beyond their ability to indoctrinate, even beyond their ability to transform the demographics, and because we still do have red states, and we have these primaries, the opportunities are boundless. So I don't want to hear about nine months from now, what are you going to do on the ballot with Trump and Biden? What I want to hear about is... How you are going to get our stuff enacted and use the power, the raw power, when we have it in the place we have it, at the time we have it. And we do have it. Your influence in these red states on the legislative sessions, your influence in the primaries. And yes, those of you, and I'm speaking to my colleagues, who claim that Trump is God and that you have so much influence with him, you have an obligation for the next nine months to get him to run a discipline-focused campaign, to get him to stop endorsing the worst people against some of the best people, including one we're going to have on today, and actually either fish or cut bait, either blank or get off the can, so we're not stuck with this nonsense, so we don't have the blind leading the blind. You know, Trump is doing a massive rally in March in the Bronx. And I warned about this before. So it's part of this grift that, oh, the bros be flipping. So you're going to go to areas that you're never going to win, like not even come close to winning, and you don't need to win at the expense of what you're losing. So Trump lost the Bronx by 674 Point margin um, in 2020 and that's actually with doing better than he did in 2016 he needs to be holding rallies but even more important than rallies building ballot harvesting operations in Maricopa County, Arizona Cobb and Gwinnett Counties, Georgia you know the Wisconsin Wow Counties as well as uh, Door County which is where Green Bay is Erie and Northampton in uh, Pennsylvania, places like that. That's where the election will be won or lost. By the way, I looked up the Bronx voting pattern. So, you know, Trump did do slightly better in 2020. But then I said, you know what? Let me take a look at George W. Bush in 2004. And you know what I found? George W. Bush got the same margin. So not only... See, until now, I've been saying the little you're gaining among the black vote, A, is more than canceled out by losing even more white suburban voters. And B, it's in strategic locations that don't matter. So, you know, you'll lose a city by 65 instead of 70 points. But it's actually worse than that. A good chunk of this so-called kind of gain among black voters is really an oscillation back to pre Obama baseline, meaning Republicans always did horrible with the black vote. Obama came along and he squeezed out an extra few points. And that gradually eased back, you know, as Obama came out of the picture, 2018, 2020, obviously, and certainly now. So a lot of it is just a mirage. But this is the focus. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to waste your campaign cash on. The RNC has the worst fundraising in 31 years. I mean, is it, well, Daniel, that's Rona McDaniel. But who got her re-elected single-handedly? So they have an obligation to explain, again, this is in their dominion. This is in their power. How they're going to get him on message. Then Trump yesterday talked about Ukraine. He said that... He didn't cut off for call for cutting off arms. He just said Europe needs to do more and then bragged about getting getting more funding for NATO. So like what? Again, is there anyone raising alarms? Tucker Carlson says Ukraine's his number one issue. Is Tucker going to say anything? This is your influence. Daniel, we have no choice. No, there is a choice. You could vote for Trump, but you could also pressure him, okay? You know, let me give you an example, a couple of examples. It's the Trump policies, it's the Trump personnel choices, it's the Trump endorsements, and it's the Trump modality of campaigning. I just gave you four action items there. That issues this false dichotomy of do you allow Biden to win or vote for Trump? Well, I, and, and actually, it helps him. You know, if you if you think that's the most important thing, again, this is before we even talk about the state legislatures and the and the down the ballot primaries. So there's a lot of other things going on here. You all claim you have influence in Mar-a-Lago. Go use it. Let me give you a great example of this. A few of them. Steven Mnuchin just came out and endorsed Trump. So I was hoping that Mnuchin would be too embarrassed of him and be done with him, like kind of like Kushner. But no, he's, he's back, back in the game. Back in the game. What does that tell you? Again, in 2016, almost no establishment or globalists supported Trump. Now they're all supporting him, and they're saying nice things about him. Who do you think would be in his cabinet? Which leads me to my next thing, endorsements. So one of Trump's top aides is Lindsey Graham. Do you know Lindsey Graham just came out with a statement that Israel better accept a two-state solution, the final solution, in order to normalize relations with Saudi Arabia? Think think about this. Lindsey Graham is horrible on every issue. He's the worst human being alive. But at least until now, he's kind of been pro-Israel. In other words, neocons are awful. They want to get involved in everything, but they're usually pro-Israel. He's now the worst of all. He's a neocon on everything, and he's not even pro-Israel. And I was just thinking, Lindsey Graham is on his fourth term. Okay, he's on his fourth term. Unbelievable. A testament to the impotent nature and subversive nature of the conservative organizations and conservative media. Since 2002. And before that, he was in the House. He's up for re-election in 2026. Okay, so I mean, you know, not too far off. You're going to want to start building, and, and hopefully we'll have a nice bench from the South Carolina Freedom Caucus. It should be abundantly clear right now. We always get ticked off. Conservative media usually gets ticked off for a day at these guys, and then they just go on and they win re re-nomination. It should be abundantly clear right now that he won't even be able to put his head above water to even stand for renomination because he'll lose 80-20. Again, you know, Trump is likely going to beat Nikki Haley 75-25 in South Carolina. But why doesn't that follow through for everything else? Because we created a movement around one man. And you fight, you get what you fight for. We fought for Dobbs, abortion, we got it. And now we weren't prepared to reap its benefits. We fought for gun laws, we got it. We broadly fought for lower taxes, and we got it. And we fought for Donald Trump, and he is everything about the Republican Party. You get what you fight for. You get the results of the raw power that you exercise in your domain of influence. We just don't use it 90% of the time. So, back to Lindsey Graham. So I was thinking... Some of you might think, come on, now after this, all this, and now you have the South Carolina Freedom Caucus, there's no way he could win a fifth term. Let me tell you how. He calls in Trump's endorsement. Right here right now, Charlie Kirk, Steve Bannon, could you guarantee us that you will use your clout to ensure that that Trump will not endorse Lindsey Graham so we can get rid of him? Is that too much to ask? Simple question. You claim to have influence in that crowd, so this is your time. You see what I mean? There's a third option to, you know, whether you're, you know, gonna just allow Biden to win or, or support Trump in a general election, but you're disappointed in him. There's a third option. You could still vote for him or whatever, but actually... Move him to the right. It's that simple. Let me give you another example, and I'm building up to the one we're going to have on. Senator Kramer from North Dakota. Leftist like anything. So he just said this about the Ukraine amnesty Lankford bill. I just think it's unfortunate that we can't, as individual United States senators, take the time and the effort and intellectual honesty to study something on your own and make a decision. Donald Trump has an opinion too, that's great, but ours should be our opinion. Now, by the way, I'm fine with the the content of his point that we should be independent thinkers, independent of Trump. But here's the broader point I want to make. Somehow we're bothered by people like Bob Good or Chip Roy when they're independent of Trump to the right, but when you have a guy like Kramer that's to the left of Trump. So somehow we're not bothered by him being to the left. But he's he's saying not nice things about Mr. Trump. Trump just endorsed him. And he is in cycle. Not 2026. He is up for renomination in June in a deep red state of North Dakota. And Trump endorsed him. And from what I could see, we don't have a candidate. Why would we? Imagine if Trump would endorse against him, would announce that anyone who runs, I will support that guy. This is in the sphere of influence. All the people who claim to share our values, and oh my gosh, look at the rhinos and the McConnell and all McConnell's lieutenants, and have not only not pushed Trump to do that, but have sat idly while he has endorsed every single one of them. You know it's funny what happened yesterday. Let me go go around the map. You know what you know another seat up. Mitt Romney is not running again and we only had him because of Trump endorsed against the conservative challenger by the way. I supported the challenger in um 2018. So he's he's not running. So there's a crowded field. Now no one has a lot of support, but the but the poll came out, and it's all relatively low numbers. The highest vote-getter was 16%, but it's John Curtis, a congressman from Utah. He is the chairman of the conservative global warming, the conservative climate solutions caucus. Leftist, like anything. Okay? And so someone on Twitter I saw was like, they're not again. They're not bothered by his views. Hey, Curtis didn't endorse Mr. Trump yet. I didn't see him. And then someone uh, online dug up, but but Trump endorsed him. Not not in this election, but his last election, like House election. Same thing. He's for law and order and tough on the border. All that boilerplate that he just lied about. The people that were the opposite. There has never been a human being alive that has endorsed as many rhinos as Donald J. J- Trump. And he used this clout when he could have used it the other way around. It's a disgrace. It's indefensible. It is indefensible. You know, here's another thing. Kevin McCarthy is now targeting the 20 guys who went, went against him. 20 or so went, went against him. So he's going after Bob Good. He's going after Matt Rosendale, who's running for Senate. And that's another place we're being screwed. Trump hasn't directly um endorsed against him but but he's his entire orbit is basically supporting the challenger and he's you know butted heads with him so McCarthy everyone's like what a disgrace i hate kevin mccarthy right all the all my colleagues many of them by the way weren't there when, during that january fight and they're like where's the plan where's the plan where's the plan remember that remember that t- uh, 13 months ago and then now they, they flip back and forth. I mean, this is what a listless vessel is, just tossing and turning in the water. Now they hate him, just like they hate Ronan McDaniel, but then they're not helping the guy who helped defeat him, who Trump is attacking for not taking the phone call to be pressured to support McCarthy. Like, what the hell? So there are, there are and, and, and there's one or two more that are vulnerable now They didn't endorse DeSantis, but they didn't like they stayed out of it. So McCarthy is going around and saying, hey, you didn't endorse Trump. Do you understand that Trump is not only not supporting our guys, not only is he supporting the establishment, but now he is being used as a weapon by the establishment to attack our guys. It's unbelievable. That has got to stop. That has nothing to do with, Daniel, DeSantis lost, the primaries. Okay, so what? But don't we all agree that we want to get better people down down ballot and you don't like these guys? And Trump's endorsing them. So, you know, could you stop? Is that too much to ask? I'm sorry, I don't have influence with him. If I did, believe me, I would use it. You guys are are just like, have, have a broke back relationship with him. So, you know, use it for something. So that's where we are with the primaries. Let me explain to you what dominion over a red state looks like. If we would only exercise that power. Okay? Oregon. Some of you might have seen this story. This is what a blue state is. So... Democrats passed a law barring basically saying that if you are a state legislator and you had 10 or more unexcused absences from session you're barred from ever running again for re-election. Now, why did they pass this law? Are they so concerned about doing your job? Um and I, it was it wasn't it was it was a ballot initiative. It was called Measure 113 the voters passed it. And Basically, the reason they did this is because ten Republican senators, mainly from the you know eastern part of the state, which needs to break off and join Idaho, they staged a walkout um, to uh, protest different things that the leftists were doing. The majority party was doing in the in the legislature. It's not just that they were derelict in their. I mean, it wasn't like oh we're too lazy to show up. There was a staged walkout. So they got smart. They're like, you know what? There's nothing more unpopular than not doing your job, right? If you, if you don't know the context, you're like, you know, you, you have a ballot measure. Should people be able to run for office if they were already in office and had so many unexcused absences? So, of course, it's going to pass. It was a brilliant maneuver, and they used the power they have, and now the few they, they want to eliminate the few irrelevant minority senators and House members you have. Secretary of State said you can't run because pursuant to the law. Republicans challenged it in court and the Supreme Court, which, of course, unlike Republicans, who most of these governors appoint leftist judges, it's unbelievable how many red states have a, we talk about the federal judiciary problem, they have a state problem. These guys are like, speak to the hand, guys. And now they're all ineligible to run. That, my friends, is what it means to exercise power. Let me give you another example. In Virginia, Republicans had control of the House. Democrats had a one-seat majority in the Senate. We thought, based on past history, if you have an off-year election with an unpopular Dem, Republicans always, always win back the um, legislature in Virginia, and certainly when it's just a one-seat majority. Yet not only did they fail to win the Senate, they lost control of the House. And this is another inconvenient reality that my colleagues don't want to confront as to our electoral viability, even with an unpopular Democrat. But what's the first bill they pass when they take over the House? Now, I would I would assume, hopefully, that Governor Youngkin will veto it. They passed a bill to reduce prison sentences for violent criminals. And they denied the families of victims of violent crimes, the ability to testify at the hearings. Again, that, my friends, is power. It is a disgrace that we are decades into this conservative movement and all these influencers and all these talkers, all the rhinos, the globalists, this and that, and yet right in front of our eyes, in nearly every seat, they are winning re-election, even open seats in deep red states. They're continuing to block good legislation. I, I mean, I mean, you had just just yesterday, um, the Wyoming governor, Wyoming. Okay, this is a state where Republicans win the presidential election usually by a forty point spread. They have a, uh, they have two Democrats. They have a thirty-one to two, or twenty-nine to two majority in the Senate, and the governor, Mark Gordon, just breezed to re- renomination, nomination re-election, he talked about the need for decarbonization. Do you understand? that? That's not even a moderate Republican from a deep red state. Decarbonization is a sanitized term for genocide. We are carbon. That means we're going to take away our ability to f- live a functional life or live it all. He is as every bit as radical as Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab, and he is the governor of Wyoming. That is the failure of our people to merely exert their influence, and I have proof of concept, because in that very state, that very election, where you had the conservative media and the conservative organizations get together, Liz Cheney not only lost her primary but lost, got only 29%. Now, I will tell you, Liz Cheney is slightly to the right of Mark Gordon. That is a true, on fiscal issues, I don't think she's as bad on global warming. Okay? Issues like Ukraine, obviously, she's the same as Mark Gordon. This is the point. Nikki Haley and Liz Cheney are to the right of a majority of Republicans that run red states. And yet they breeze through. Because the one thing we fight for is Meta Trump. So she was against Mr. Trump, so we got together. That's great, and I agree with it there. But why the hell can't we do it anywhere else? And in fact, more often than not, Trump's on the other side of that. That needs to change. And that's where I want to get to our next special guest. So folks, among my colleagues, and, and really anyone who works in this industry, there will be unanimity of opinion behind the following statement. Senate Republicans are awful. I mean, as as much frustration as we have with the House Republicans, Senate Republicans are literally Democrats. I mean, we, we've seen that on display that there's almost not a single issue that they don't agree with Chuck Schumer on. In fact, they literally cheer on Schumer against the House um, in every budget fight, every major fight. And we all agree that, you know, it's terrible. They need to be replaced in the abstract. But yet every time we have an opportunity, not in the abstract, not in the future, but right in front of our eyes, somehow they just ignore it. It's like it doesn't exist. This has stupefied me for years. And, and to this day, I don't understand it. But this cycle, we have several of these guys in cycle. And when I, when I mean these guys, I mean most of you, if I throw out the name Nikki Haley, so, you know, you'd be like, yeah, it's, that's terrible. It's just kind of the epitome of the form of the Republican Party that we're trying to move away from, right? Well, what if I told you? That the majority of Republican senators, starting with Mississippi Senator Roger Wicker, is to the left of Nikki Haley, especially on fiscal issues. Well, you'd be like, "Wow, well, yeah, we, we definitely need to get them out of there. Well, Mississippi has one of the earliest primaries, a so week after Super Tuesday. So we're, we're, we're coming on March 13th, very soon, that we actually have an opportunity in a deep red state. To get out one of the worst members, Roger Wicker. Again, this is a guy that that is a full spectrum liberal. There is not a single issue for which he fights for us on, and in fact, he is on the other side of every major policy, every every major budget fight. Um, you know, we talk about charisma. This is a guy who makes you know Mitch McConnell look charismatic. This is a guy that the only time he can muster a granule. Cell of 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 outrage on behalf of the people is indeed not on behalf of the people, at least not in the United States, but in Ukraine. That that's the one thing he cares about. But somehow these people continue winning re-election. Now we've talked about this before. How it's it is hard to land recruits. It's hard to get people, um, especially someone that 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 has some sort of elected experience, uh, statewide or or in, in in a legislature. But in Mississippi, we have it. And this is the earliest primary we have where we have an opportunity to change Republicans. And let me make no mistake, the difference between our next guest and Senator Wicker is greater than the gap between R&D. So again, I don't want to hear about this, oh, you know, November 5th business. That's nine months away. We have primaries that are starting and the first opportunity to get out one of these senators is in March in Mississippi. Dan Eubanks is the candidate. He's from Desoto County, a Republican. Uh, you know, wealth of Republican voters there in the suburbs of Memphis, the northern part of Mississippi. He's a state rep. Um, has been there for about eight years. He's also been a pastor for many years. He's a co-founder of the Freedom Caucus of Mississippi. And he's now taking the plunge and willing to, you know, embark on this long shot bid. And we're going to find out why. And you can find him at Eubanks, E-U-Banks, for the the number four, Eubanks4Mississippi.com, Eubanks4Mississippi.com. And he's also here in the flesh. Hey, Dan, thanks so much for joining us today at Blaze Media.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Daniel. All
1: right. So you kind of heard my riff there, um, how upset I am about this dynamic. Uh, why are you taking the plunge knowing the history that essentially Republican incumbents are never defeated in popular primaries?
0: Well, first off, I think your assessment was spot on, but I think there's a lot of reasons. And and one of those has to do with money. If you look at Roger Wicker, he's been a part of the DC swamp for three decades. He's, he's one of those lifelong uh, swamp creatures. And he is owned by the military-industrial complex. If you look at his, his special interest giving, that would explain exactly to your listeners and the rest of Americans why he has not found a billion dollars he doesn't want to give to the Ukraine because it benefits those that, that write him checks. Um, and so what it really comes down to a lot of times is who's got enough money to drive the narrative? So that all being said, if you, if you would see the millions of dollars he spent in the state with his commercials, you know, and it's funny how um, how quick somebody becomes conservative, you know, it's like the conservative choice, you know, his commercial yep. just tout that uh, talk about how strong he is on the border. And if if you remember, he was one of the few Republicans that fought Trump when he tried to secure the border. And he knows that's an issue that he's weak on. So yep. he he's he's pitching himself as being this big open you know, borders guy, big guy. visa guy. Um oh, loves visas oh, yeah, yeah. I've got to Finish the Wall Act. Okay, well that's about ten million illegals too late. The uh um and, and so what happens is is he uh, and most most incumbent politicians, once they become a part of the machine, the money starts flowing, especially if their votes for sale and if they're gonna do the bidding of the special interests that, that fund them. And so they just have a bigger megaphone. They they are able to drive the narrative. And sadly, much of our, our voter is just uninformed that they'll 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 take everything on face value. If, if if they hear it enough, they're like, well, I guess he's the conservative choice. I've heard his name before. They don't know anything about him, his voting record. And and so, you know, in Mississippi, especially we have a long tradition of keeping people there until they die or go. Yep. senile. now um, that the, and so and then. And then they'll have them step down and put who they want in that position. So the establishment continues to put who will do the bidding of the establishment. And and so uh, I think that's part of the reason why around this nation we we find that you'll have good men and women that'll step up and they're like this is the guy, but they don't have the same megaphone, no. or the same name ID that the incumbent has. And so
1: well, they don't uh, have the that, same that's, megaphone. That's find, but I would say the other half of the equation just to. Elevate the point you just made, which is important. You look at Roger Wicker throughout the entire last year of budget battles and everything. He's quoted in Punchbowl and Politico, sniping at House conservatives, you know, obviously siding with Chuck Schumer on every major issue. But to your point, that's not exactly how he runs for reelection in Mississippi.
0: Oh, not at all. In fact, a good example would be how he he touts how pro life he is. But if you remember back, during last summer, when the NDAA was coming up and they were going to fund the the military and the Pentagon and all of that, the the House handed him a good piece that basically took, you know, right now they have a policy in place where if you're a serviceman or woman, well, actually a woman, and you're and you're looking for an abortion and there's not one available in the state, they'll give you leave and pay for it. And so, um, and so he he brags about his ranking member status and how pro life he is, but when when he had the actual ability to affect change and to hold them to the fire and say, "We're not funding you till you get rid of this unlawful policy," yep.
1: and he didn't stand he's with like, Tuberville. No,
0: we're just we just we just want Teter was the only one that did anything. And and so and so he's like, "Well, you know, we're just gonna we want a clean bill." And by the way, let's put another fifty billion in for Ukraine. You know, it's it's uh it's that's not if you're pro life and you really are what you say you are, you're going to use everything at your disposal. Every tool that you have to fight for the stuff that you believe in, that you say you believe in, that you say that you're doing. And and most everything that comes out of his mouth is just, you know, it's whatever, you know, like 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 what I was saying earlier, you run for office. They they have so dirtied the word conservative. It's kind of like what the left has done to the to the label patriot. You know, it's it's almost it doesn't mean the same thing anymore. Never. Or at least people people don't they're like a conservative yeah what what former conservative and I, and I I have the highest lifetime average conservative rating of anyone serving in Mississippi state government and I don't say that to brag I say that because I'm I'm a proven quantity I know what it's like to be in the trench I know what it's like to be the lone guy on the hill charging the line with nobody coming behind you being the only red light on the board yep. And so you were in that so, state
1: house for about eight years. You know, again, it's another one of these GOP strong majority states, but they, they, you know, sometimes you think it's more the Democrats in charge. So what are some of the moments you're most proud of um, in your career in the legislature?
0: Oh, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I have been proud and humbled to have been a part of. When I came in, I didn't come in to be a part of the problem. And it's really, I think most people that run for office, when they do it, they have a passion they're like you know i want to make a change i want to make a difference but the minute you get there the machine works against you you know you're, you're you got your hand up and you're swearing your oath office and you say i will not sell my vote trade my vote let anyone influence my vote your hand comes down and leadership instantly tells you how to vote the the power and the, and the pressure is so great that most people crack and, and you're left with only just a few people that are willing to say no this isn't why i came down here and And I've tried to be true to that my entire time in public service. But some of the things was our our religious freedom protection bill that we had in 2016, it went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. I was a co-author of that. It was they deferred to the lower court ruling and upheld it. Tax cuts. We have been slashing taxes, income taxes in our state. I've been a part of that co-author of the biggest tax cuts in Mississippi history. I was uh, I was the driving force behind us joining the convention of states. I I was a co-author of the bill that went. And ultimately overturned the uh, Roe versus Wade. It, yep, the, um, a lot of things that I've just I've been so blessed and humbled to have been a part of, but it's because I don't waver. I I, I know what I believe. I'm here to fight for the, the ideals of freedom, liberty, and life. And um, you know, it, the sad irony is, is that when you do that and you you aren't up for sale, you actually fight more with your own party than you do with the Democrats.
1: Well, um, welcome to the club. I mean, that's that's what yeah, we're doing, but oh, yeah. but but you, you got to do that. You got to do that because if if we just sit by and do nothing, oh, it's a red state. We just have a de facto R. The um the 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 Democrats just live out their ideals vicariously through people like Roger Wicker, and and that's oh, where the primary is a bigger deal. I applaud you for what you're doing, getting Eubanks for Mississippi dot com. I want to turn to something else. Um, in the time we have, I think you're an imp- there's an important opportunity for you to to explain this. So you're right, you were at the epicenter of Dobbs. It was a Mississippi bill um that eventually led to challenging uh, the president of Roe. And you know, we we got a spectacular victory. But then something happened. Then we had a situation where, you know, the other side flooded the zone in the polls. We lost a lot of swing areas, but then worse than that, we have now lost several solid red states. Even in solid red states, they're now, you know, we're like, all right, you know, bring it back to the states. Well, we brought it back to the states. And guess what? They are winning. They're blowing it out in swing areas, but they're winning, and not even close, even in red states, codifying abortion. And their goal is now to get a ballot initiative in every state. Now, probably in a place like Mississippi. You still don't have to worry about that, but most other states, you do. Um, You're a pastor, you're a legislator, one of the driving forces behind that very bill that led to the Dobbs opinion. What is going wrong, and how do we right that ship?
0: Well, you know, you're absolutely right. Most states, or a lot of the states, have a ballot initiative process where you can, as a citizen, lead an initiative to get something put on the ballot and to put it into your state's constitution. And so we actually had, um, we had a, a ballot initiative that went through a few years back that legalized uh, medical marijuana and nobody thought it was going to actually work, but the group that, that was behind it was pretty well funded and they made it happen. Well, then our, our state Supreme court took and invalidated They found a technicality they were able to invalidate it and they basically killed our ballot initiative process. We have offered another one up, but it doesn't change the Constitution, and there are guardrails that says you can put forth the measure, but you cannot, you cannot take and touch our stance on abortion, or you cannot touch our stance on the state retirement system and stuff like that. But, but the problem is in a lot of states, that isn't the case, and there are deep pockets out there, well-funded, that will hire from out of state, that mm. will come into a state that is very pro-life, they will pour in millions They will get an initiative on the ballot, and then they will just you know market the heck out of it, and and that's what you're seeing happen in some of these states where it's like, well, I didn't expect that to happen, and and uh, people that the people that vote for pro-choice or or whatever left-leaning liberal socialist ideology, they are very dedicated to their cause, and so that's part of the problem we're in the state we're in because you have good men and women who you know, maybe have a moral compass or or people of faith or that love their country and that actually are patriots, you know, they they love the ideals of freedom and liberty and the constitution. They either a get elected and just tap out after a short while because it's like the fight's just too great or they don't at all because they think, well, I can't do anything. Who am I? And it leaves a vacuum and that vacuum Mm. will always be filled by people with an agenda. And these people on the left, they they live it. They eat, sleep, drink, breathe it. Exactly. And they are dedicated to it. And conservatives have got to get uh, of the same mindset or or we will continue to go further and further to the left. We won't recognize our country in a few more years. I already don't recognize much of it. It's, no,
1: it's, no, no, we won't. We hard. don't. And and I want to transition to another thing um, because and by the way, uh, Dan doesn't know this question is coming because I've never asked it of anyone. I just thought of it just because you're a pastor. And it's something that's been bothering me greatly. There is a trend. So it used to be things like adultery was just a killer for anyone in politics, even a Democrat. Then, you know, over time, it it was okay, you know, to be a Democrat and do that. And sometimes maybe even a, a resume enhancer. Okay. But now we've gotten to a point where, you know, there's a I was joking around with a friend last night. I said I wouldn't be surprised if the RNC makes a rule to disqualify anyone who's on their first wife to run for president. It's just it's it's nonstop, and you know what I mean. It's 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 all over the map, all over red states. I'm finding it's now now I'm I'm not getting into the debate of. When you're forced November 5th in a given election and you have, you know, a South Carolina rhino, or or even, you know, he votes conservative, but he has major issues with that, you know, versus the Democrat, what God wants from you, where in fact it's a strategic, you know, it's a strategic outcome. But I'm talking about it used to be a rare thing. Now we've become yeah. desensitized, and I'm finding this everywhere that 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 Republican politicians in, in Washington, they live the same lifestyle as the left. We're even okay with yep. the Bruce Jenner stuff now. Fox News promotes that and all this stuff. And, and the reason why, Dan, before you respond, I'm bringing this up as a segue because one of the things that I believe is one of several factors of our weakness on abortion is that how many candidates are we on to already that have been caught Uh, With a concubine or something and then trying to get them an abortion. I mean, when you come to a suburban voter, that's kind of like not far left, maybe gettable, but a little bit more more towards the, you know, yeah, I I don't want to ban abortion sort of view. Do, don't you think that it becomes a factor when they look at the sleaze factor among so many Republican politicians like, really, you're going to you're going to dictate morality to me? I, I want to get your yep. sense as a candidate and a pastor on that problem among Republicans. Oh, that that is a great question.
0: And I, I speak into that all the time. You know, the. It's just like people of faith, you know, and people that don't have faith, they look at Christians or they're like, what? You know, they're just all hypocrites. Right. You know, we we, you damage your testimony when you when you say one thing, but do another. And I was at a a pastor's conference, Turning Point USA pastors conference back in, I think it was May. And I heard something from one of the nationally recognized leaders. He said that the state of our nation is a report card on the church for the last 40 years. The church ceases to speak truth into things. They 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 cease to say, "Hey, this isn't right." Yep. Um, and when the church ceases to do that, and I don't know, I don't know if if the synagogues are doing the same thing, but everybody's going further and further left in the faith communities for the most part. You have some outliers, but it's like no, no, all, all forms of Protestant,
1: Catholic, Jewish, Mormon. It's all yeah. over the 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 map that the establishments have been bought off, and then even those yeah. who you know their membership is not like that, but it's like you said, it's it's a vacuum. It's not equal and opposing force. And you know the theme today is dominion and our sphere of influence. Yep. And you know the blue states are gone. They're gone. But why are the oh, red yeah. states still having so many problems with bad Republicans? They're having problems with you know the homosexual agenda and the tranny stuff filtering in 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 a lot of areas in red states and 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 that's because the church just the church has become weak.
0: they've dropped the ball and 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 if you if you lack an anchor, a, a moral compass, a, a a faith compass, then anything's you know anything is is fair game. There's nothing that separates you just like they they had the Chinese came over and did a study of what made our form of capitalism work. And they studied it and looked at all the different angles and they came away with the fact that we were a Christian, Judeo-Christian nation. Because at the core of that is a moral compass. When you cease to have a moral compass, when, when the, the majority of your population doesn't believe in anything, when, when the churches that you are a part of look just like the world and, and they want to be relevant so bad they don't even speak, in, don't even speak the truth. When they speak, stop speaking truth, nobody they're not going to get it on tv they're not going to get it on the news they're not going to get it from the music or the entertainment industry so when the church does you have a a, a vacuum and people yep. people need those guardrails and so what happens is we are we are experiencing you know i think it was thomas jefferson said that you know you don't get the government you want you get the one you deserve um or at least a variation yes. of that. and and so that's that's what I believe is happening we we have lost so many men and women of of moral compass but but we've standing. lost
1: them in our own ranks and, and this is what bothers me in our own ranks. we yeah. We don't have a national system I mean for certain things, it kind of is like that de facto for a presidential election I mean filtered through the electoral college, but at the end of the day and and you know before I brought you on, I was talking about blue states how the minute they take over Virginia, they just flipped both chambers, their first bill is to. Uh, Reduce sentences for violent criminals, and they didn't allow victims to testify at the hearing. I mean, they exercise yeah. that domin- dominion, like you said, with the abortion. They're 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 full bore. But then, all right, fine. May- maybe we lost the country. Maybe they have 55 percent, but we still have a significant portion you know, at least 25 states where the Dems can't win, yet it's our own voters are the problem. Our own voters say they want one thing, but frankly, a lot of them don't live the lives of a conservative, and it comes out with their right. choices. So you get your Roger Wickers, you get your Mitch McConnells, you get your Kevin McCarthy's, and and the show goes on.
0: Well, you know, Mississippi is the, the buckle of the Bible belt, you know, and, but if you go and look at like our our ACU ratings, we're a purple state. We yep. uh, we may have all Republican statewide and and super majorities in both chambers, but we are very li- we're talking about expanding Medicaid now. And, 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 oh yeah, and, and we have Republican super majorities. You know, stuff like that, and you're just like, what is going on? Uh, even even down to uh, you know the Republican Party platform. I had a buddy of mine that that was a part of the Freedom Caucus. He's no longer serving, and we had some bill that was absolutely in direct contradiction of the, of the um, Republican Party platform. And so he printed off the state party platform and the federal the, you know, national party platform, and he put it on everybody's desk in the chamber. And there were people came up, they waddle, threw it in his face and cursed him out. <laughs> you know, it's like, sorry, you don't want to read your own platform that you claim to, to, to stand under. So, so if, if you're not even true to your faith, what makes you think you're going to be true to your party? And, and and I think what we are suffering as a nation, even in the Bible Belt, is the fact that uh, we lack people of conviction, people that are willing to say, yep. you know what, this isn't about me. I'm not in this for what I can gain out of. I'm in this because I believe in something. I'm in this because I want, I want my children and my children's children to have what I had growing up. I want I want what I believe in, this nation, I believe in the freedom and living in the Constitution, and, and all the things that we ideally stand for. I want it to go on, and I see the threat that's on the horizon, and, and somebody, somebody's got to do something. and that's, that's like for me. I, I know it's a David versus Goliath scenario, but I also know who the God was that delivered the stone on target. It, Goliaths do fall, but, but at the end of the day, um, we're called to be faithful. We're not necessarily called to be successful. We're called to be faithful. We we let God worry about
1: the outcome. And outcomes and, are for and God, I, and, and, and that's, that's why I respect. Yes. I, I and I've promised that anyone who you know, because it is hard to recruit, um, anyone willing to do that, I'm going to give them a platform. I mean, we we've been focusing on Jeremiah twenty nine eleven today, where you know God says, "Look, I'm I'm not out to get you. I you know yes. I think about you." And, uh, my thoughts are peace. They're not evil. I give you future and a hope. And that's what I'm telling yeah. people. The opportunities are there. I don't think we could win everywhere. The blue states are gone. Nationally, it's going to be tough in November, and we'll see what happens. But one thing I do know is that it's not the media or the Democrats or Taylor Swift or Hunter Biden yeah. or whatever that's the problem in Mississippi and Missouri and, and Texas and the Dakotas and Idaho and Wyoming having the problems that we've we've talked about on the show all week and in their legislatures, different things. It's our own problem. If 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 we used our own sphere of influence and said, hey, um, we all know Roger Wicker is not one of one of our own. I mean, no one will tell you he is. We got Dan yeah. Eubanks. He's not some random guy. He's been eight years in the legislature, fighting on the issues he won. Go take it. But but just to talk about you know um, tactics here, what is your hope? Looking you know at my friend Chris McDaniel, he ran three times. You know, came close the first time. Um, you know, kind of controversial what happened there in the runoff. But then, yeah. you know, didn't win again. He was you know caught on the other side of a Trump endorsement when he ran for a second one, and then he ran for lieutenant governor. I mean, do you really think that the primary voters are are well, are finally you, you ripe for change?
0: Well, you, you, I think they are. And you know with, with, uh, with Chris, he's a friend of mine. He, he was winning throughout most of the primary. And then in the last couple of weeks, Lieutenant Governor, deep pockets, you know, a lot of special interests just bombarded everyone. I bet I got 12 mailers from him in the span of two weeks and every one of them was making claims that like, I don't know about that. I mean, I,
1: <clears throat> in, in other words, they were running that that Hoseman was, was the office. conservative and, and Chris was the liberal. See, mm-hmm. this is what's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. They don't run on their views.
0: Well, you say it enough, and that's what it was.
1: The commercials on
0: TV, the commercials on the radio, the 12 mailers that showed up in my mailbox, the vast majority of the public don't make themselves informed voters, and, and they're passive at best, and, and it's sad. Until we get folks to engage, they will be susceptible to whatever narrative gets thrown at them the most. And so I think what's different about this one, though, I, I think that. This will be the most important election cycle that you and I see in our lifetime. Quite possibly our nation's history. And it doesn't matter just who we put in the White House, but who we send and put in the Capitol building. And I think people have woke up to that. They they see the wide open border. They they say, you know, a nation's only as sovereign as its borders and we're not sovereign right now. And they see the hundreds of billions of dollars going to the Ukraine and to fund the war machine. And they're being told at the same time that we may have to reduce your Social Security benefits. And, you know, it's like these guys are elected to represent America first, right? Not the rest of the world and all these other globalist agendas. And they are seeing that. And I think that um, at least with a lot of the hardcore Trump voters, they got a pretty good memory. I have been traveling the state, going to Republican groups and women's Republican groups and and a vast majority of them are saying he's got to go he's got to go they remember and these are you know quasi establishment type folks and i don't know if that's a litmus of where things are going to fall in march but they are awake and i think that that there is a real possibility here for just a, a dramatic upset because people are tired of business as usual and the lifelong politician member of the swamp you know it's it's uh it was never our founding father's intention that you go and stay there forever
1: no i mean and and that's the thing and they do and then and you know somehow there's some sort of uh uh fountain of youth there in that senate not in terms of energy (laughs) for fighting for us but boy do they live long and they stay long but let's say you have a you know this becomes the mississippi's the valley of elah and you are that david and and uh and you wind up slaying the dragon. You get up there, just real briefly. You get yeah. up there. So you we can count the number of conservatives there on, on our hands. It's, it's less than Especially 10. Especially in the Senate. Yeah. It's less than 10. No, in the Senate for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's less than yeah. 10. How in the world do you have leverage to even do anything there?
0: Well, you know, I think that what a lot of people fail to realize is that there's multiple aspects to serving in that role. One of them is to take care of your constituents first and foremost. That's, that's, that's your primary job. The other one is to drive policy. And when you, have, when you have a position like that, you have a bully pulpit. You have the ability to drive a narrative. You have, you have the ability to go on shows like yours and shows like Tucker and shows like you know Fox Nation or whatever your outlet of choice is. And to speak into situations and help drive the narrative, I, I think it's you know love or hate Marjorie Taylor Greene, but she didn't have a committee assignment her whole first term. Yep. Yep. But I saw her in my news feed more than I saw anybody. In it's, other words, what you, you're, what you're honing
1: in on, and we got to run here. This has been really great. Yeah. It's it's you're not just a vote, but you're a voice. You're a voice. A voice. And yeah. and and you know, and, and it only takes one, and then you could change the entire dynamic. In Mississippi and break the cycle of every elected official just being another chamber there, um, you know, and, and ruining the state. If you can't maybe fix the Senate, but you are a, a conduit for your own state uh, again, you know, to tell us where we can go. People want to support your campaign, find out more about you.
0: Well, see, I would love support, I'd love prayers, and I would love financial support if people can do it. They can go to the website you mentioned, but you, it's even easier. You can go to Dan Eubanks. That's D-A-N-E-U-B-A-N-K-S dot com. It will redirect you to the same site, and you can follow me on all my socials. You can donate from that page, and then I, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Uh, the reason I picked up the moniker "You Can Bank on Eubanks" because people are like, "Man, you do what you say," and and so I I I touch on 20 of the uh, the main issues out there uh that are important to people and families in our country and you don't have to read you can click on the video I'll tell you right where I stand and if I say I stand there that's where I stand you don't have to second guess I'm not going to tell you one thing you can disagree or agree to disagree but I think most folks once once they know where I stand like you know that makes sense I agree with you and so check me out um and uh, if you can support we would love the support and uh and, and and pray I mean because that's what it's going to take to defeat uh, a Goliath yep member of the swamp so uh, i appreciate you having me on the show and
1: and, uh, bank on you banks well well, dan definitely keep us updated we'll have you back on shortly before the primary um again anything could happen results are for god god bless you for what you're doing and we'll be in touch take care so folks again that was dan eubanks uh you guys know where to go um, look, I mean, he's not obviously delusional. Like, sometimes you'll have a candidate who's delusional. He really thinks, oh, yeah, I'm for sure going to win. Yeah, I mean, he gets it. It's a David versus Goliath. But um, that's the thing. We always complain. Oh, this guy needs to go. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, the the stuff that Roger Wicker has done to us is unreal. It, it, it would be like having – it would be like Massachusetts having um, Tulsi Gabbard as as their senator, and 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 really, it doesn't even fully address that because Tulsi is not nearly as to the right relative to a Dem as, as as Wicker is to the left for what Mississippi should be, and it's it's awful. And then we finally have someone who comes along, and I'm going to continue doing this, and I'm going to shame people into this. Do you do you want what you say or not? Take yes for an answer. I don't know him that well. I haven't spoken to him before today, but. I mean, he's a pastor, he's been in the legislature for eight years, been one of the guys behind, I forgot about that, the Rifra bill, I wrote about it at the time, and and really the Dobbs bill. Um, do, do you want that or not? I mean, do you want to challenge McConnell and his guys or not? But here's the reality. I didn't mention it when he was on, but as you well know, Donald J. Trump endorsed Kevin Kramer. Now, I have to look at the timing. To be fair, it could be Dan wasn't in the race yet. But the reality is when you have a rhino senator in cycle from a deep red state, what these guys do is they go to him early on. And and they did this when he was president. Like when McConnell got his endorsement for the 2020 cycle, we didn't yet have a candidate, but we would have landed one. And then he endorses. Well, that's kind of hard now. So we're going to have this, unless there is some intervention from God and we actually get on this and focus, guess what's going to happen? Trump will likely win, beat, assuming she's still in the race, beat Nikki Haley 85-15. And be like, wow, so then Dan Eubanks should beat Roger Wicker 85-15. But, you know, it could very likely be the other way around. That's how pathetic it is. And that's why the founders didn't want direct democracy. They wanted more something like a caucus or a convention where people actually understand what's going on. But but understand what he was talking about. These guys run on our issues. They lie. And then, again, I don't know if they're up to focusing on Dan yet, if they feel he's enough of a threat. But with Chris McDaniel, they obviously did. So then they say, oh, he's, he's the liberal. He's the liberal and our guy's conservative. And they have more money to do it. If you have a, a party willing to do that, I don't know how you could beat that. But then at least all we have now is we have the biggest apparatus ever of conservative noisemakers that are earning million. I mean, I'm struggling to support my family. And you have these guys earning millions of dollars doing this. Is it too much to ask? to come in on behalf of these people? And is it too much to ask to stop allowing Trump to chuck bricks on his biggest supporters? Simple proposition. Just know it doesn't have to be this way. Just know God has so many opportunities there if we actually were true to our principles, weren't lazy, stayed focused... And then once we did that, you know, God would open up doors that we probably don't even see now. So we've had a terrific week here. We've done what we can. You guys have done what you can. Hopefully others will catch on. Uh, Hope you guys have a terrific weekend. Till Monday, Jeremiah 2911. God bless you all, and thank you for listening.